I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. We tried HelloFresh today. Hey, that, yeah. that's something new. And I thought, oh, whatever. The box got here. had three meals in it. It's like our trial. And it was fucking delicious. I was like, this is like restaurant quality food. It was like super good. <laughs> I've heard good things about HelloFresh, but the price has always scared me off. Yeah, um, we like to eat out a lot. So I think my sister said like, oh, if it's uh, three meals a week for two people, because you can do like two for like however many uh, servings. Yeah. That it was like 58 bucks. And then we split you know, we split everything, right? Like groceries and everything. So yeah. it would be $27 or something for like a week with three nights of food. Three nights of food. So, yeah. Yeah. So we were like, oh, that's not bad. That's $9 a meal, which. Yeah. It's not bad, and especially you would spend more like, when you go out. Exactly, it's been more if you we, we went we went out instead of um, cooking those HelloFresh meals. Fair but enough. anyway, that's a you know we're not sponsored by HelloFresh, but HelloFresh, no. if you're listening, sponsor your girl. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that sounds like a fun evening. I woke up with a terrible back. Yeah, um, he said. What did you say? You just I, slept wrong. I just slept wrong. That, that's all it was. And I had to put, you know, like, you know, those p- icy hot pads. And Ooh. I had to take Advil, like, because, like, just moving in certain directions hurt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. Don't get old, guys. Do not get old. <laughs> and, You're not that you know, old, though. <laughs> I know. It, it, this is as I'm approaching 35, you know, in a matter of, you know, a few weeks, pretty much. So yeah. craziness, craziness. But. Let's go ahead and let's actually get started on what we're going to talk about today. There is a brand new movie out. Um, it's the movie of the weekend. I, I guess it is. I guess some people have seen it, I guess. But um, <laughs> before we actually get started about talking about it, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your first on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You could give us five-star reviews on those those go a long way for us come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews you can find us on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at always critic pod and if you're a fan please please consider becoming a patron it's a great way for you to get involved and show your support you can check out the page on patreon.com always critic pod today we are going back to gotham city as we are going to talk about the batman uh, this is the latest iteration of the Cape Crusader. Uh, we have seen this character played by many actors, and now we have a new version of this. Before yep. we get started, really quick, the letterbox synopsis reads, In his second year of fighting crime, Batman uncovers corruption in Gotham City that connects to his own family while facing a serial killer known as the Riddler. Jessica, tell us a little more details about this movie. Sure, it's directed by Matt Reeves and also written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Uh, Peter Craig is not the creator. Bill Finger, do I have that right? That's correct. Bill Finger, creator what a name. of created the, the character. That is correct. So he's on there as well. It stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, and Andy Serkis. Um, Robert Pattinson has had a very infamous career. 
because he started out as a vampire. <laughs> and actually, he started out in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that that's where I think most people and, like, know him first and foremost. Yes, and he has had a wild career so far playing Woody Terms as Freaks. <laughs> Yes, he has. Like, if you look at his career, it's a weird career, but I would say an interesting career. Very Uh, interesting. Very interesting career. I would have never pegged him to be interested in playing Batman. Neither would I. And neither did his, like, team. And when the team was like, hey, um, did you want to do this? He was like, yes, sign me up. I want to audition. I want to do Batman. They were like, oh, weird, because we were just looking at, like, freaks for you to play. And he was like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he is a freak. The Batman is a freak. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this movie did very well at the box office. $134 million domestically. That is a very good start for a movie like this, especially Mm. with when most movies struggle right now at the box office. Uh, This is doing very well. $258 million worldwide. It has an 85% critic score and an 89% audience score. So the critics, as a consensus, reads, A grim, gritty, and gripping supernoir, the Batman ranks among the Dark Knight's bleakest and most thrillingly ambitious live-action outings. So, with all the preamble out of the way, Jessica, what did you think of the Batman? I found it very good. I think that I didn't have any expectations, mostly because... I don't really care. I have no skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not like, oh, I hope this is good. Oh, my God. Like, no, I have no special feelings toward the character Batman. I genuinely love um, the Dark Knight. And um, that's pretty much it. Like, if I had to rewatch the Nolan trilogy, I would be like, oh, until I got to the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I, I think of many months ago, actually, we did a movie blind spots episode where I said that I had watched Batman 1989 for the first time. And I was like, this is awful. Like, I just didn't like it at all. So I have mixed feelings toward Batman and the franchise. Obviously, we're Ben Affleck is the most recent Batman. And I had terrible feelings toward his movies. Um, This movie is very artistic and very um moody and dark just like the critics consensus says it's grim gritty gripping and the i think in the theater i turned to you guys and i said four letters n-o-i-r because it is straight up noir yes it is I this fully is like agree. you can't if you if someone's like what's noir this is noir um it's it's really uh, obsessed with um you know crime and kind of like the human condition in like this dark really depressing gotham city Mm -hmm. i think that sometimes gotham is portrayed as just like any other city and in this case i feel like the gotham is pretty scary like i i'm like okay this is I feel the threat, you know? Yeah. You feel the threat. I get it. I feel the threat. I love the cinematography. I loved the score. Michael Giacchino, like, just coming in hot with it, giving it the Hans Zimmer treatment. And I would say that I was pleasantly surprised by Rob's 
I'm on a first name basis with yes, Robert Pattinson. Of course, as, with as, Rob's yeah. portrayal as uh, Bruce Wayne, I think that he played it slightly different than other Batmans. I think that it's tough because we've had so many Batman yeah. <laughs> for him to find a gap and be like, oh, no one's done this before, so I'll try this. Yeah, it's rare to find that. Super rare. So I think he did the best with what he could do uh, regarding what others hadn't touched yet. And I think it is very much playing into this like recluse, um, introverted, tortured <laughs> individual. And like this is drawing major parallels to me with um, his character in Twilight. Yes, it is. It does feel that way. It feels like if... Edward Cullen was Batman. This would be his Batman. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. Because he's it's like he's playing it very seriously. Stakes are extremely high. He's not getting much sleep and like he's just kind of jaded but at the same time a little bit like hopeful. I I know what you Ever mean. so slightly hopeful. Ever so slightly. Um, I don't think that this movie is for everybody. I will agree with you on that. I don't think it is for everyone. It's extremely long. And I would say that's my major complaint is that the movie is three hours long. Yes. They probably could have cut some stuff out. And that is so just so I could jump in here real quick. Yeah, I feel like I'll just keep rambling. So what are, what are your thoughts on the Batman? I think this is a very good movie. I think that. There are a lot of comparisons that people can make and and very valid ones as in what kind of movie it feels like. Um, you can kind of compare it to the movie Seven by David Fincher. Uh, yeah. You can uh, draw resemblances of Zodiac uh, also by David Fincher. Um, you know what? A, there's a theme. I, there. I'll jump in here and say that this movie was tr- affected tremendously, in my opinion, from the gritty Joker movie that came out a few years ago. Mm. I feel like if that Joker movie did badly at the box office, we would not have this version of Batman. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Truly. Like that movie kind of left the door open spiritual, like, yeah. Predecessor. Predecessor to this movie. Oh, okay. I I can see where you're going with that because that movie does have a very bleak and very cynical. Exactly. And that's what this movie is, as well as the running theme of like, you get what you fucking deserve. Right. I, I see what you're saying. And this movie Which they, does and almost into, said as much yeah, in, the, in without, this version of the Batman. Right. Um, so I really enjoy Pattinson. I think Pattinson, like you said, does bring a new energy to Bruce Wayne, because I think Batman, for the most part, I think a lot of them kind of handle Batman and by that I mean like Keaton, Bale, and now Pattinson kind of hold Batman in this you know very stoic type of way for the most part. That's how Batman is portrayed by them. Right. Um, but the Bruce Waynes are completely different among yeah. those three. And Pattinson's, it almost does not feel like he's trying to hide himself when he when he's Bruce Wayne. Mm. You know. It does feel like it's just an extension of Batman. Yes. And he was rarely Bruce Wayne in the movie. He was pretty much always dressed up as 
Batman. In yeah, the that's costume, one thing that's surprising. Which is, is a that huge difference from other movies where they try so and like even Batman. it out. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a so lot of Batman, Batman in this movie. Yeah, There is. Um, so the performances I thought were very good. I really enjoy Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. I, I love the energy she brought to the movie. Uh, she is fantastic as that character as Selena Kyle. I'll uh, go so far as to say this is the best chemistry that I've seen from like a Catwoman versus Batman thing. Catwoman, Batman. Um, Love their chemistry. Yeah, it's great chemistry. Amazing. Don't get me wrong. They're just like sizzling on screen. They are. And they're not all over each other. They didn't have sex. Like there's nothing, no physicality to be like, oh my God. No, they were just eating each other up like <laughs> they're vibing their, their energy and everything they had those it's vibes. good chemistry yeah no it's very good uh i think that circus i i don't know if we had just quite enough to like make a good assessment of mm. whether or not he's good alfred pennyworth i think that he does provide some good uh, you know advice towards bruce and there there is one scene though that does make you know an impact on Bruce himself uh, that I think was very good. But I still think that I would need to see a little bit more to really evaluate how good of an Alfred he is. Still a good performance, but uh, mm-hmm. just as Alfred. And then we got our, our other villains here that we need to talk about. And um, let's start first with Colin Farrell. He is unrecognizable, unrecognizable as the Penguin. I think that he probably has the most standout moments because of just what he's doing with the character. The character feels almost like a farce versus everyone else in this movie. He is, he stands out when, when he talks, when he does his mannerisms, like he is very like out there with his performance, but it's, it's very good. It's very, it gives the movie some light and some brevity, uh, you know, some levity, just for brief moments that we need uh, just because of how silly he can sometimes say things or, or his mannerisms. So I really appreciated that from Colin Mm -hmm. Farrell. And then uh, the big one was Paul Dano as the Riddler. Uh, The character is very scary is kind of the word I want to use. I think he's unnerving. Unnerving. Yes. And, I mean, you want that, right? In a Batman villain that's in a super noir versus, um, as the critics consensus says, Paul Dano is like the go-to guy for like, if you want like a weird dude in your movie, you yep. like grab Paul Dano. That is that dude. <laughs> like if you've seen Prisoners, if you've seen uh, even in something light like um, Little Miss Sunshine, like yeah, he's yeah. still like the weird dude in that. Yeah. Uh, and now he is the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And I found it a very captivating performance, even though mm-hmm. it's like very like unnerving and it kind of like you're just feeling uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. with what he's doing with the character. But it's effective. It's very effective. Um, so there's other characters I that we could talk Paul, about. So here's I, I'm going to say one more thing about Paul Dano. It's that they seem to want to go the route of Heath Ledger. Yeah, they kind of want to go that dark, almost route. to the to its detriment because it's a very good performance. I'm not like taking anything away from it, but 
it did seem like they were leaning more into the mental illness aspect. And like, yeah, that leads into some of the scenes that we'll talk about in spoilers, but I don't know if it was a positive or a negative because I almost like the chaos and anarchy of a person who's not necessarily mentally ill, like has all of his faculties, like Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. And then Paul Dan is like, he's like a mentally ill person, literally like making up a story in his head. And I don't know. Like, I don't know if I like that necessarily. I see what you're saying. So really quick about the plot itself. Right. I think that the movie does a really good job. This this is one good thing about the time that the runtime is, is mm-hmm. that it allows moments and certain plot beats to breathe a little bit. So it kind of weaves the story and it's not like it feels rushed. That's one good, like that's a positive. But again, some a negative part of that is that because the runtime is so long, there are things that as a viewer... I kind of feel like could have been shortened up, could have Mm. been explained a little bit, you know, easier or, you know, simpler to cut down the time because sitting there for almost three hours, there are moments where you can, you can feel the three hours Mm -hmm. just because it is methodically paced at, you know, at a very, there are moments that are very deliberately slow Mm -hmm. and, you know, and it's because Matt Reeves has a vision for this Batman, for this Gotham that he needs to get out there for people who are watching. Uh, So it's, it's a two edged sword. It's a double edged sword of yes, the runtime, it feels long, but at the same time, there are some benefits to that because it allows the plot to breathe a little bit. I would agree with that. Although again, there was, there could have been some cuts made, um, this movie didn't have a ton of action. No. And no. I didn't miss the action. Yeah, <laughs> like it, what it had, I was like, yeah, like that's fire. Like it's good. But as far as like a constant, like every 15 minutes there needs to be an action piece. No, that was not the case for this at all. No. He is playing a detective role. So this is, this was my biggest thing. I have been waiting for a detective story out of Batman for years. Every movie. And every movie I'm disappointed. Like, where is the detective aspect? Because that is what kind of separates him from being just a a regular vigilante. It's not just about him just beating up criminals. That's it. No. Like, he is intelligence like he is incredibly intelligent Mm -hmm. and he uses that intelligent you know side of his persona to be able to figure out things and be able to be a step ahead of the police force and detectives because he's that good of a detective by himself and we never really got that in any other other movies except now we finally have it Mm -hmm. we finally have a story that feels like oh this guy is figuring it out and he's kind of figuring it out ahead of everyone else. And he has someone to go toe to toe with, you know, at at the mental level with a character like Riddler who is pushing him. I would agree. And I would say that the, in other movies, especially like the Nolan ones, uh, Batman really relies on tech. Yes. To kind of solve 
some things for him and push the plot forward with certain reveals. And in this case, I feel like the tech is not uh, solving anything for him. It actually is something that he uses. It's a tool. Not a tool to like take all of his um, computing out of it, out of uh, of his own computing out of it. It's a tool to like, oh, I'm going to be in control of what the tech does. Exactly. And like, oh, I'm going to tell it to do this, you know? Yeah. The tech is working for me as I am telling it, hey, this is what I'm trying to figure out type of thing. So Mm -hmm. that was very good. Um, Now, there's so much we could talk about in spoilers, but there's one more thing that I I just want to mention. And that is the third act as a whole because superheroes are notorious for having a bad third act or, yeah. ter- you know, a third act that doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. or that is full of CGI and stuff. How did you feel about the gen- the general sense of the third act in this movie? Gentle third act. Gentle. Okay. And I liked it. I mean, it's hard for me because I wish I had more of like, a concrete reaction. Where I was like, Oh my God, it was the best thing ever. I loved it. And I didn't, I was just like, Oh, it's really good. Like in this third act was good. It didn't have, um, an end all be all one-on-one fight. It was, um, you know, he saves people. And then I think this third act, instead of it being, he saves people and then leaves the scene, Batman stays on the scene and is very visible to the citizens of Gotham. And I think that's very important because what I think you said that it shows him more as a hero. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. Like, that's a good thing. That's um, a very good thing. Him interacting with the people that he's protecting and saving is a huge difference between this Batman and other Batmans who might save the day, but then they don't really kind of stick around for the nitty gritty of recovery. Exactly. So yeah, before we say anything else, I think Mm -hmm. we're in a good spot to be able to go into spoilers, but before we do, let's go ahead and give our grades for the Batman. So uh, as most people, if you've been listening to us, we changed our, our grading scale. We actually use a letter grade now. So A, B, C, D, F, and Jessica, what did you give the Batman? B plus. B plus. Very good. I gave it an A minus. <laughs> right around the Yeah, same. we're very close. We're very close. Um, so that should speak to the quality of what we see. And now we can kind of get into the nitty gritty of what we truly liked or what we found lacking. So let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for the Batman right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's talk about spoilers for the Batman. So. Where do you want to start, homie? I think what we should do is start with the the crux of why everything is happening in this movie and the why the Riddler is doing what he's doing. I think we should start there and then kind of work our way. So 
the main crux of the movie is the Riddler kind of outing all these politicians and government officials and how corrupt they are. Mm-hmm. And it all leads back to one specific person, and that mm-hmm. is Thomas Wayne. Mm-hmm. That yes, because of actions that he took involving the mob, Carmine Falcone, uh, who is played by John Turturro in this movie, uh, because of actions that he took, it led to him being compromised. And not only being compromised, but it led to his eventual death. Uh, so it's an interesting take to show the Waynes, Thomas and Martha, not be as that incorruptible force that they've always been shown as before. Right. They've been super righteous. Yeah. Like they're the perfect people. Yes. Yeah. But this movie does show a flaw, a flaw to them that because of Thomas Wayne's political aspirations, they tried to do a cover up of the family legacy and it involves this was another thing. This is something the that I, I didn't know this one. I, this is something I didn't know. Is that Martha Arkham? Yeah. <laughs> and so Martha apparently was someone who was mentally ill and had to mm-hmm. go to an asylum multiple times. And the threat of that information getting out to the public by one specific reporter was going to compromise the whole election. And so Thomas Wayne turns to Carmine Falcone. I'm going to, by the way, I am going to say Falcone. Because that is how it's pronounced in every other iteration. For some reason in this one, they decide to say Falcone. And I don't know why. Because in every other iteration, it's Falcone. I guess because of, do you know why? I think it's because they were trying to go for that riddle. with The the, riddle with the the Falcon. With the Falcon. Which. Yeah. I. I, That's the uh, worst riddle, actually. Oh, no. It was a bad riddle. That was a bad riddle. The other ones were good. but, But this one was bad. So I really found that. That's an interesting take. Hey, let's paint the Waynes, this famous for almost 80 years sufferers of the crime in the city who have always been viewed as the most upright citizens. And because they live in the real world, corruption could possibly happen. Someone who's that rich could have connections with someone in the mob or could be trying to cover up something. Now, covering up that you know, the wife is was mentally ill and went to well, mental asylum. Well, and then asylums. her mom, Martha's mom, killed her husband. Yeah. And then that was hush-hush as well. And it was like this, Martha, the Arkhams are like a mess. Yeah, the Arkhams are a mess. <laughs> and, and then Thomas Wayne's trying to Thomas Wayne know, was trying to like covered. keep it. Yes. Which was funny. I, not funny, but, you know, entertaining. That was interesting <laughs> because it just makes you think, huh, so the Wayne's own so much of Gotham mm-hmm. plus at the same time there's Arkham Asylum so like they're like when know, they said uh, Martha Arkham I was like Eperate. I'm sorry <laughs> and then they like reiterate just in case like you didn't catch it the first time yeah 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 you know the Waynes and the Arkhams and it's yeah. like I'm wait s- whoa that's when I turned to you I was like what <laughs> I kind of had to do a double take too because I kind of I never realized unless this is like something new for the story I would have to go back to check but I never put the fact that Martha was part of Arkham and I didn't feel like Arkham was a family legacy yeah. to build an <laughs> asylum around. I, I right. That is not where I went with that. 
But this could be something that Reeves wrote for this particular story and using Arkham Asylum as a way of like the mentally ill, the, the you know, to be able to play around with that story. Mm. So I found that to be interesting. Now let's work uh, our way backwards here. The Riddler and his riddles. One was bad, which was the Falcone. Though it was that. the like half Spanish. Yeah, Alada. As Rata Alada. Yeah, the winged rat, which it was obvious from the beginning. I thought that was Batman was from the get go. Yeah, from and I was like, oh, bat, like, Batman. They were kind of dancing around it with other types of birds, a stool pigeon. Oh wait. A they kept saying stool pigeon. If I had a nickel for every time they said stool pigeon in this movie. Yeah, I was like, what? And then eventually <laughs> they landed on Falcone like a falcon. It's like, mm-hmm. And it's like, no. Well, they went to Penguin and then we got some good Penguin action. Yeah, we did. And then they went to Falcone. Falcone. Before he like, realized, wait a minute, a winged rat, a bat. A bat. It's so obvious. So yeah. obvious. All right, so here here is a question that I want to ask you, and I want to know if if you agree with me here. So once the Riddler has been captured, he's in mm-hmm. jail, and he has his confession moment we with the Batman. We have another face-off, Dark Knight style, between the villain, in this case the Riddler, and Batman. Yes. Did you think the Riddler knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman? Yes, up until that point, 100% yes. I thought that he knew they were one and the same. It really felt like he knew. They really bamboozled us on that one. They really did. And I still, even to now, have like a slight doubt because, (laughs) you know, he's (laughs) like saying Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah. And then finally he kind of changes like the way he's saying he's like, we couldn't get him. He said he's the only one we couldn't get. And that's when I went, what? And I turned to you. I think I hit you. I was yeah. like, oh, my God, he did. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. Well, so I think I land on the side he that he doesn't know? know. He doesn't know. I land on that side. He doesn't know. He was. I think he was actually very hurt when the Batman was like, you're crazy. We're not on the same team. What are you doing? And then he didn't figure out the last riddle. And then the Riddler was like, oh, my, oh fine. Okay. And You're doesn't not as give smart anything away. As I think you are. Ave Maria. <laughs> the very the common theme through this movie. The movie starts with Ave Maria. It happens at the funeral in the middle. And then it happens at the funeral in the middle. And then Paul Dano in the third act sings Ave Maria in the most creepy way. Yes. And yeah. Uh three times the Trinity. Yeah, there you go. Rule of Ooh. three. Ooh. Uh, okay. So I th- so I, I still land on the fact that I don't think he knows that he's Batman or, you know, Bruce Wayne is Batman. OK, let's talk about the interactions between Batman and Selina Kyle, because I think there is where we start getting into some like spicy, you know, interactions. So here's my deal with Selina Kyle's storyline is that she's hell bent on trying to find her friend. Who went missing? She was caught up in the mob, caught up in all this dirty business. She more had than her a friend. F- and I thought, well, number one, more than a friend. They were yep, lovers. For sure. Number two, who gives a shit about Annika? Only someone who's in love with Annika. As an audience member, like the fact that she was so hung up on Annika, like, oh, if we don't go after him because of Annika, nobody will. Like, 
no one's going to take a revenge or, or, you know, exact justice because of, uh, for Annika. And I'm like, stop it with the Annika. It sucks. It was like, I don't care. And neither did Batman. Batman was like, we'll get him next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the way Batman treated it. He's like, eh. Yeah. Eh. We, we couldn't quite figure don't it out. Don't move without me. <laughs> don't make a move without yeah, me. Don't, yeah. That that was his way of kind of like satisfying her. Like, okay, okay. We'll find Annika. <laughs> Just don't do anything without me. I was like, um, no, girl, quit. But I did uh, like their interactions together. Yeah. At, at moments working as a team, like, for example, her navigating the club while he's, you know, watching through the through the contacts and trying to get the dirt on all these people, figuring mm-hmm. it all out. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh how did you okay so this is i know this is a slight point of contention for people really? and it's the moment where batman or bruce wayne in this case follows selena kyle back to her apartment and is viewing her through the binoculars yeah we got a hitchcock thing here um <laughs> rear window style yep he's looking at her through the binoculars he shouldn't be looking at spying on somebody through the window and on and top of that, like she's, she's getting changing. changed. Yeah. Yeah. She's changing into her Catwoman suit. And she has like a little uh, wife, tiny wife beater cut off. Yep. And like white undies underneath. And it just made me think of Alien. <laughs> because that's what Sigourney Weaver yeah. wears underneath her jumpsuit. That is what she wears. <laughs> You're right. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints about how like, you know, the leering. Of it's voyeurism. Voyeurism. Yeah, for sure. But, you know. Very inappropriate. It like, is inappropriate. It is inappropriate. He's a peeping Tom. <laughs> He's a peeping Tom. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly feel like it's not necessary. I, I understand what they were trying to do with the character, like just make him feel as he could be awkward. He could be uh, creepy. Like there's a bunch of things. But again, He's a freak. It, I don't think it was really necessary to do that. Okay. Let's talk about Penguin because this leads, this is going to lead to, I think what I feel is one of the best moments in the movie. Uh, So Penguin, interesting character knows uh, it's on the up and up. He's like coming up. Yes. Yeah. You know, in the criminal underworld, he's not the head boss because that is Carmine Falcone. Right. He's the head guy. But like Penguin's making his way up. He he has connections. He knows people. Uh, he's obviously part of this drug trade that is happening in the city of Gotham. And but what's great about him is how he he sees things and he like says what they are and is like, whoa, 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 you you're everything that they say you are, aren't you? You know, and like the way he breaks down Batman and the way he's like telling people you know, the way things are, or sometimes he'll just fly off the cuff, you know, saying stuff. One of my favorite moments is after like, uh, Batman and commissioner Gordon kind of like capture him and they like have him cornered <laughs> and they like show a picture of what happened. They show, to- yes. And he goes, ah, come on, uh, what are you showing me here? Yeah. I <laughs> That's really the most New York it. that I've heard. Oh yeah. You know, I know. In the whole movie, everyone's Fantastic. supposed to be from New York. I think so. And he's, you know, really giving it a go. He really is. 
Um, so I, I really enjoy a lot of the aspects of the Penguin. So I, I look forward to seeing more of him going in the future. Him coming up as not only a criminal, you know, in this underworld. But, but an actual, m- you know. Um, almost like a kingpin where he goes to rule the city almost. Okay. And yeah. making himself more visible. Uh, because this is something that we've seen in other, it, other iterations of Batman where the penguin is viewed by the city of Gotham and its citizens as, oh, this guy can be a politician because he has the connections and he has charisma, even though he's kind of deformed, mm-hmm. like he, his personality and his charisma are so strong that people are willing to follow him. So I'm, I'm interested to see if Matt Reeves takes that angle or decides to go in that direction with the penguin. Now, let's talk about the scene, though. Where the penguin goes on the run and Batman chases him in his Batmobile. Um, I think that might be the best movie. The best part of the movie. That might be. It might be. It was amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. We get a look at the brand new Batmobile. Did it's you a, like the Batmobile? Let's pause here. It is what, a super charger. So I'm of two minds of it, though. I think that I love really cool design. When it comes mm-hmm. to the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like that. So, design-wise, it doesn't feel special. Because right. it does look like a souped-up charger. It looks like a car. Yeah. But, that said, the the way the flames, like the fire flames that come out of the back, the way it's like a battering ram, like, it, it does serve a very good function in this particular Gotham but the design still left me wanting more. I would agree. I think that at first I was like, oh, it's a car. Right. It's an actual car. And it didn't. No, these are You know what I'm saying? Right. It's Versus very- like the other Batmobiles, which are like Batmobiles. You understand? And <laughs> the Christian Bale one, which is like a fucking Humvee or whatever on steroids. Yep. This one was just kind of like. Very much like the this Batman where it's like it's a little bit depressed, yeah. a little bit like run of the mill, but uh, not as much muscles as the other ones and all that. Uh, then they showed the back of it and I was like, OK, I can get behind this because no pun intended, because we're looking at the back of the car there um, <laughs> because it had like this like what did it look like a jet engine on the yeah, back of it? it? It's pretty much like a jet engine that spits out fire. Yeah, and I was like, oh, cool. He's like running Nas on it. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns it on in the middle he of the car He turns it on chase. like he actually uses it, yeah. Yeah, so I think that car chase is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love when basically the penguin causes like this huge, in this giant car crash pileup with a bunch yeah. of semis. And the Batman just batters through like this cylinder block. And then... Like, just the visual of him, one of my favorite shots in the movie is he's he's driving, obviously, and right in front of him, he sees all the semis, like, starting to pile up. Like, visually, it looks so cool because it's, like, hitting an underpass and everything, mm-hmm. and then immediately, like, the camera turns back to his face, and you see his eyes widen, mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, like, and he's got to figure out on the fly, <laughs> what do I do here? Right. I really enjoy that 
And I thought it was a great car chase. And the upside it, down shot of the him upside walking down towards shot. the penguin. Yeah. So very good stuff. Um, you know what another scene was that I really enjoyed? I will say um, that my sister had a complaint about the car in that the car chase is happening. And she's like, I couldn't quite keep it straight, which was the Batmobile. Ah. Because they looked kind of similar. Because the, the Maserati and his like souped up charger. Yeah. So that is a complaint. It does blend in with other cars. And it's a night shoot. Like it's like, you know. So, <laughs> by the way, since we're on that night shoot and everything, uh, I one complaint that I have is Ooh, that okay. there should be no city that it rains so much. It rains a lot. I, I was like, at this night. is more rain than Florida. We get all the rain. Yeah, and it is insane how much it rains in this movie. Yeah. So that, And it's supposed to take place inside a week, October 31st to November 6th. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. That's Based on the, the journal span entries. of the whole movie. Yeah. And it's raining 99% of the time. Which is insane. Have you, I, I've never heard of that. <laughs> no, no. And it takes place during like October, November. Yeah, that's no, what I said. That's, it's not going to, it's not going to rain during that time. Especially I mean, in maybe if it was like London. That. In London, it does rain like that during that time of year. I guess, maybe. Every day. But, oh. but again, this is Gotham. Yeah, it's Gotham. Okay. So. All right, so we've gotten through... It was for the effect, Rico. Yes, I know, but I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't a huge fan. It doesn't have to rain bah, every single night. Bah, 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 bah. All right, let's go ahead and let's talk about that. How did you feel about the score by Michael Giacchino? Very good. Mood setting. Yes. It definitely set some mood. It was honking on that riff, though. Oh, yeah. The melody it, of the... Bah. And then they kept doing it in like different octaves. <laughs> yeah, they they were moving around that scale quite it was a bit. Funny. Yeah, I mean, you just get it into your spirit, and your heartbeats just start to go boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> so the I whole movie. <laughs> I would say, and again, this is not like me trying to say one is better than the other, but it does have something more prominent about it than like some of Nolan's Batman in terms of like, it is instantly recognizable already. Like, Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. It's very recognizable. And that's a plus. Like you want that from your score is to it be synonymous with your movie instead of someone being like, Oh, I've recognized this. Where's this from? Right. Which is one of the things that is, it's not a complaint from me because I really enjoy Zimmer's score for the Dark Knight trilogy. I uh, would say that this is up there with Danny Elfman's score for have, recognizing Gotcha. For recognizing Batman, Batman. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree because I think for me, Elfman's is still like the one where you say, oh, Batman, bam. Yeah. Like you, uh, <laughs> immediately. And, but this one does have a strength to it. Hmm. And because it repeats so much and it's very simple, mm-hmm. it, it is just a few notes. Bum, 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 bum. And so it, it has a simplicity to it, but a menacing factor to it as well. Yeah, they you dress can, it up. You can dress it up with like other things going on in the movie. You can mix it with other people's sound, like the Catwoman's theme that kind of gets sprinkled for Zoe Kravitz. But... Uh, very good job by Michael Giacchino. I mean, I had no doubt in him. He's he's a legend. Well, so. we heard it already from the trailers, so there was no um, 
like this isn't the first time we've heard it. Good point. But it is the first time that we've heard like the full vision of it. Yes. Being able to like fully realized, fully realized. Right. And even if you heard the score beforehand, because that was released like weeks ago or months ago. Yeah. Um, it's not the same as seeing it with the visuals. Exactly. It makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Especially like when he enters a scene or when he's driving around in the Batmobile, like, and they, they pump up that score. Yeah. It, it really gets a sense of, you know, momentum going yeah. in those scenes. Impending doom. Yes. All right. Uh, so I love this intro for this Batman, though. This the, is, I the think, intro one of the scene? best intro scenes for a Batman. Yeah, because Let's you have this it. weird voiceover, right? There's voiceover throughout this movie, which is a huge difference from the other Batmans is that you have this moody journal kind of like playing overhead, like him just talking through his life as Batman. And I love how he's like, um, what was the line? He said, they're, um, they're afraid of the shadows, but I am the shadows. Yes, he did oh, say that. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's saying things like, um, you know, fear is a tool. <laughs> Yeah, because and just like all these like one liners, you know. Yeah, he's breaking down that you His know method. he started like what makes him so successful, right? Because he knows he can't be everywhere at once, right? It's a big. That's city. and he says that. <laughs> he says that, and then he goes into what you said is like, but fear mm-hmm. is my tool, and you know they're afraid of the shadows, but I am the shadows. You know, <laughs> it, it's and I love it's the good. visual that they do yeah, where they a certain have a criminals montage. look. A montage of crime in the city and how it's resolved. And the last one, the most dire crime, which was going to be um, like an assault and at worst an Asian. Um, um, Just uh, a- Asian violence. Yeah. yeah. What's it called? Oh, my God. Uh- Hate crime. Uh, oh, yeah. Hate crime against. I hate Asian crime man. against this poor little Asian man on the train. And he shows up for that one. Yeah, he's there. And he saves the guy. But here's what I like about the movie is that it does try and give you a little bit of his dilemma, right? Which is people are afraid of him, both the citizens that he's trying to protect and the criminals that he's trying to stop. And at that moment when he saves the Asian guy, all the criminals like go running off scared. But the guy that he's supposed to be saving isn't saying Thank you so much. Like, you know, it's not like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. It's like the guy says, please don't hurt me. Yes. Like he's afraid of Batman. Yeah. And why wouldn't you be? At the end of the movie, there's this great full circle moment where Batman is actually on the ground saving people and he's present and they see him as this hero and someone they can depend on, a savior. And at that last moment when this girl's getting airlifted out of there, um, she hangs on to him and she's like, no, I don't want to like leave your side. Like, are you going to let me go? Exactly. And there's this trust there. Yeah. That wasn't there before. Right. Because even so, let's talk about this. This aspect is that Bob, Batman in this movie works very closely with Gordon. At this point, this he's not the commissioner. This is a huge difference yeah. between uh, him and other Batmans is that he's not coming in after the fact and he's not coming in hush hush. Like, it's well known that Batman just shows up. And, and Commissioner he's allowed Gordon onto is this. just easily yeah, allowing yeah. him to work alongside him. To work alongside the police is in the room. They're doing CSI and he's like there. Yeah. They're and talking him through the crime scene. I love it. I love that. 
I like love, he's another detective. Yeah, so it's almost like a private investigator, right? Except he's yeah. dressed, you know, like a bat. Dressed as a bat. <laughs> and I really love the conversations back and forth between Gordon, who is played by um, Jeffrey Wright, mm-hmm. and I love you know, Jeffrey Batman. Wright. <laughs> he's great. He is great in this movie. I love how much he he's putting so much trust in this man who no one in the police force has any trust for. Like everybody is like constantly like, he's a vigilante. Why is he here? You know, Mm -hmm. he's interfering and like all this stuff. And, but he vouches for him. He's like, Mm -hmm. obviously I see something in this guy. This guy is trying to help. And later on in the movie, he even says, Batman says to Gordon, do you trust these guys? And he goes, I trust you. Yeah. So, it just shows that relationship. It's a really cool relationship to see. Yeah. That Gordon. Because it's not like a friendship. It's no. like a partnership. A yes. true partnership. Yes. In other movies, Gordon wasn't on equal footing with Batman. No. No, he wasn't. And in this one, he kind of is. Yeah. My biggest thing about this, and it goes back to the detective stuff that I said earlier, is that Batman is figuring out. What is happening in these different cases, these mm-hmm. different murders that are happening to these government officials? He's trying to not only solve it, but get ahead of the regular police force. And Gordon is helping him do that by mm-hmm. allowing him to be on the crime scene, allowing him to look at the evidence. Uh, all this different type of stuff is really cool. And just the interactions just makes it feel special because mm-hmm. in other iterations, Gordon and the police force are always a step behind Batman. Always. A lot of steps behind yes. Batman. Like every time you think maybe Gordon and Batman will work together. No, no. Batman's already ahead of him. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing catch up the entire time. But I really enjoy that in this one, Gordon is instilling in Batman. Hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. I know you're a smart guy. You've helped figure out cases. Let's work on this. You know, let's and he even does it on his own time, like like private searches. So it's like Gordon and the Batman by themselves doing mm-hmm. stuff, you know, so I, really Mermaid cool. man and barnacle boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeffrey Wright was great. I he was a great character to have Gordon. It, his version of Gordon was really good. Mm, yeah. So uh, let's see. OK, I I, I appreciate that we didn't have to see the Waynes die. Yeah. Thank God. No need for it. Uh, we've seen I it I could have used more crazy Martha, but that's a beside the point. Yeah, we got like that newsreel. Oh, let me <laughs> let me ask you about this. What happened? Did you laugh when we see the Riddler's final video? And it's basically mm-hmm. like a YouTube video, almost like, hey, guys. I was dying know, Yo, Thank you so he, much for your support. Oh my <laughs> but it was sad because it was like on the dark internet, dark yeah, webs. Yeah, it was on the and dark And it was thing. like all these people are supporting him. But like, it's not like, oh, you should use cucumbers instead of pickles in your recipe. It's like, no, no. you should use assault rifles instead of blah, blah, blah. Because yeah, what gauge and all <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, so it was insane. Seeing Where do like- I get masks? <laughs> Oh, my God. And, you and got to go to this depot instead of that one. And then at the end, like, he actually yells out, uh, the Riddler on the video, he yells out, don't forget your cling wrap. Because he, like, he uses that as part of his mask. Oh, man. it, 
Yeah, that was insane and very like, oh god, like this is a little but very too believable close to home. Yes. Like this, this kind of shit happens. You know? Yes, it's uh, dark. Now talking about the third act, there's something I want to mention because I thought it leans right into your point of Batman being a hero mm-hmm. and his evolution in this movie. So. At the beginning, you know, he takes on that group of people with the Joker. Dressed as clowns. Yeah, dressed (laughs) as clowns. And when they ask him, who are you supposed to be? He beats up one of them and he says, I'm vengeance. Mm -hmm. And as the movie progresses, he he starts to realize, like, what it is, what it takes to be Batman. Mm -hmm. Or what is what are other people's vision of him, you know? But what really struck me the most was in the third it act. Is, it is kind of a um, mirroring the struggle that his dad had because his dad was basically trying to avoid a PR nightmare and he is living, Batman is living through a PR nightmare right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. But what really struck me the most was in that third act when they capture one of the henchmen that's dressed up like the Riddler and they ask him, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance. Me, I'm vengeance. Right. It kind of feels like Batman. The way that he looks at the guy. Like, he's just so fucking weary and like, oh, come on, bro. I I took it as this. this is not all that I am. Right. And that's where you see him make the decision of going down to save the people. And, you know, not just find the solution and then run away right. no, be part of the solution and be helpful be that lending hand mm-hmm. because he's not just vengeance he is heroic mm-hmm. seeing that evolve i thought was really cool and also you know it's almost like holding up a mirror because the riddler had it's this a change vision. of vision it's a change of vision statement for batman yeah, it is because throughout the movie the riddler believed in his head me and the Batman are the same. We are both vigilantes. Yeah. We are both trying to rid this city of the scum and the villainy and the corruption. So, of course, we're going to work together. He's going to we both see each other. And the Batman realizes that's not me. I'm not you. I'm not mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. I am trying to actually get rid of the corruption. But that's where he has that change of like, I got to be more Mm -hmm. than just vengeance the way you know people have been you know people say that line from the trailer is like i'm vengeance like (laughs) supposed to sound cool but he realizes he has to be more because if someone else is doing the vengeance thing then like it dilutes the it dilutes the the message yeah dilutes the message uh one more thing i did like about him as a character and we see it in three different moments is it's the knocks at the door Mm. at the club so oh the first yes, one yes, yes. Uh-huh. is he shows up as batman do you know who i am and he like beats his way through mm-hmm. like he's beating people up and everything the second time he shows up do you know who i am and he's bruce wayne mm-hmm. and people are like oh come in and he comes in he realizes he has to go in as bruce wayne and he he has to show face he he can't just always be batman there, there are moments where he needs to be Bruce Wayne. And right. then the third time is the knock, and it's it's the duality of the two. Because he knocks the door, they don't see anyone. He's able to sneak his, himself in. He starts as Bruce Wayne going in, 
becomes Batman inside. I see what you're saying. And it's a happy medium between the two. Between the two. He is a man of two faces and he needs to know when to to be one or the other. Mm. He, he can't always be Batman. He can't right. punch his way through everything. And mm-hmm. he can't always be Bruce Wayne because there are going to be times where your face is not going to be enough, like at, in the funeral, at the funeral scene where like the mob, you know, like kind of stops him and they're like kind of like jabbing at him a little bit, you know, with verbal taunts and stuff. So oh, there you go. <laughs> so I really appreciate seeing the duality of Batman. Yeah, I like that. Too. Like that. So um, visually, I think this movie is incredible. the best one. Incredible. Best visuals. Hands down. <laughs> the use of red, like red as the motif for the character. Red and blue, I would say. Yeah, a little bit of blue. but like, blue. Especially during like the rescue scenes at the end. Yeah, the rescue scenes at the end for sure. But the fact that like even the promotional campaign and everything really leans red. into the red yeah. was never something I would have associated with Batman himself. Hmm. Uh, just because... He's always in my mind or just when I view him, whether it's in movies or comics or anything, there's always like gray, blue, and a little bit of yellow because of the symbol. But that's always how I viewed him. The red was something else. And it just visually is just a beautiful looking movie. The way Gotham is shot, like all these different mixes of the different cities that they use to film. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are European. Like I know Liverpool was a big part of it. And um, um, the credits had a lot of like Australia, New Zealand yeah. listed. Yeah. So they mix and match a different mm-hmm. type of Gotham. You know, it wasn't. They like, had a version of Times Square. Right. They had a version of Times Square. They had a version of Madison Square Garden that they yeah. called <laughs> Gotham Square Garden, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. But. It wasn't a it wasn't really a Gotham that we had actually seen on screen because the Nolan Batmans just feel like, oh, that's New York or that's Chicago. You know, like they're visually right. very recognizable. <laughs> this it wasn't one like wasn't. a medley. No, no, exactly. All right. Is there anything else that you want to touch on <laughs> here? Um, How did you feel about John Sorturo? And his part in the story, especially in the third act where there's like a twist. I I liked his portrayal of the character. No, yeah, the portrayal is good. Um, but there's but two like twists. The one is story? Right. One is Zoe Kravitz is um his daughter. Is his daughter. So which, she's a Falcone. Okay. Sure. I I guess that's fine. <laughs> I, I don't I don't see any I don't see anything wrong with it. Okay, second of all... You got to give her skin in the game as to why she's so connected to Carmine Falcone. Right, right. And then the second one was that Torturo killed the reporter on behalf of Wayne Sr. Yeah. And then there was a secondary part of that was that John Torturo killed (laughs) the Waynes and killed Zoe Kravitz's mother. So his baby mama yep his baby mama it was Um, a lot of little twists back to back yeah like the reveals came too quickly one after another Mm -hmm. because we first we get the reveal of she's a falcone Mm -hmm. he goes to visit falcone as bruce wayne and he gets the info that thomas 
t- told me to handle mm-hmm. the reporter. And so I handled the reporter by mm-hmm. killing him. And then we get And then he had a he had some sort of cooked up story about Oh, oh yeah, that Salvatore Moroni was yeah, the one. Yeah, Moroni killed him. That had killed Thomas Wayne. But then it's actually revealed that Carmine Falcone was the one that killed Thomas Wayne. So I thought it was a little bit stupid for for Bruce Wayne to just believe Falcone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I know he was vulnerable. I know he was hurting. I know he was, like, going through an existential crisis. But for him to just show up, knock on the door and be like, tell me the story and expect truth. Out of someone like Falcone. Out of Falcone. person who has deceived the city because he's got everyone in his pockets. Like, yeah. It, it's a bit naive. Mm-hmm. It's a bit naive. On, yeah. And on then he part. shows up, like, all broken on Andy Circus's um hospital bed and Andy Circus was like your dad was a good man your dad was a good man and like fixes the story and says like no no Falcone probably did it like there's a good chance your your dad was and your mom were killed, killed by, Falcone. By, by Falcone he could never prove it and mm-hmm. he tried everything that he could to find out the truth but like and then he even says it in the hospital bed or maybe it was uh you know a gunman who, just a random like crime who was desperate you know? Yeah. So I I think that the reveals came too quickly one after another. Mm-hmm. I think if you would have like started with the whole corruption of the Waynes earlier. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, they were corrupt. You know, they were viewed as mm-hmm. corrupt. You start that in the middle and then towards the back half is where you get the reveal. It wasn't Falcone or it wasn't Salvatore Maroni or anything like it was Carmine Falcone, the one who gave me the info and the one who has been manip- manipulating everything behind the scenes. It was truly him. If if they would have kind of like spaced out those two reveals, right. I think it would have been more acceptable. Yeah. Something else that I found interesting that isn't necessarily a complaint, I just thought it was really complex, was Paul Dano when he's giving his whole spiel in the jail cell to mm-hmm. Batman. He's saying like, oh, poor Bruce Wayne. Oh, poor billionaire, like orphan and seeing how he wasn't necessarily an orphan because orphans have nothing. <laughs> they have nothing like he had nothing. Mm-hmm. He was and an he orphan was saying well. how like, oh, the rats used to chew on my fingers and all that shit. And I was like, the visuals and the way that the, the dialogue was crafted was very good. And I liked that he is kind of convicting the audience as well. And that we feel worse for the kid orphan living in a sky rise that's like a billionaire. And we don't feel so bad for the criminal who had the same exact circumstance. Only no billions of dollars. Truly nothing. Truly nothing. Yeah. We don't we don't have the heart to follow that story. Right. Because... I think he even says that the billions helped this, like the story Pushing go down the blowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I felt like that was a really, again, this is. I was like, that's a, a lot very smart concept. <laughs> of changing our perception of certain characters. Mm-hmm. This movie does a good job of, and Matt Reeves with the writing that he did, of getting us to look at characters in a different way. You know, the orphan boy. He was rich. He could have. He he had money. He could have done anything. Uh, the Waynes, 
they're not as perfect as you want to believe they are, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, Batman thinks he's all about vengeance, but someone else has the same wording, but uses it in a different way, you Mm. know? Little things like that, I I really appreciate it. Yeah, same slogan, but completely different approaches Mm -hmm. to how they handle that slogan. So overall, I think this is a very, very good movie. And it does have a lot of comparisons to like the movie Seven, Zodiac, like I said. Yeah, because Um, the way that the Riddler um, kills and uh, arranges the victims was straight from Seven. Yeah. Oof, yeah. It was it was crazy. So I can see the inspiration there for sure. Yeah. And if I know a lot of people will ask, because if, if you know me, I love The Dark Knight. The yep. Dark Knight is my favorite film. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are going to ask, well, how does it compare to The Dark Knight? I kind of want to hold off on like making a direct comparison right right, right off the bat. But what I will say is this. This movie does a great job of fulfilling an actual world of its own world. It like it feels fully realized by the director. Like he knows exactly what he wants in this version of Gotham with this version of characters. And I really, really like that. I really appreciate when a, a, a creator has like a full vision and is able to to show it off. Would you say that Nolan didn't? I think Nolan has his own vision as well. So those two have actually, you know what? There's three because I think Tim Burton's, even if people well, don't yeah, like Bur- it, <laughs> his version of Gotham is fully realized in his own style and vision. Exactly. So those three directors really left their imprint on this is how I view Batman. This is how I view Gotham. All three of them in their own unique way. Which Gotham do you like the best? I like I like this one more than Nolan's. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I think I kind of still prefer Even Burton's. with all the rain? <laughs> but I still prefer Burton's overall. Burton's? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All I, right. The Gotham sure. in, in the Burton movies... I just that? love the Gotham, <laughs> the Gothic theme of them. I love the way they it looks. Well, it's Burton's design. You know, yeah, what I'm it's saying? Burton's design. Yeah, and I really like that. So, I think overall that's the one that I like the most. Um, but but it's not even the one that I like the most most of all. We're just talking about movies because yeah. in reality the best like Gotham is from Batman, the animated series, the art deco style. And oh, right, right, right. That's yeah. easily the best. But, um, if I'm, if I'm talking about where this movie kind of stands among the other Batmans, it's very high. It's, it's a very high in the list of where it compares to the other Batman movies. Um, it's easily better than just about almost all of the Burton movies. Uh, I believe, um, <laughs> It's obviously better than the Schumacher movies. It's better than Dark Knight Rises. Um, Batman Begins is where I kind of start having like that conversation. Like it's, I yeah, like me it's, too. It's in that vicinity. right around there. It's I get right a little there. hang up, and I'm like, mm, I can't like start 
making rash decisions here. Like, let's talk it through. <laughs> let's talk it through. But that just shows you how big it's of an impact high. it made mm-hmm. on, on first watch. Yeah. Um, what about the suit? Did you like this bat suit better than other suits? I think um, I liked it leaps and bounds better than Ben Affleck's suit. Yes. I think Ben Affleck just looks so big. Better in, than the titty suit. Movie. Well, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> um, I I like they used the batarang a lot. Like that was He did. He used great. the batarang. He used yeah. grapple guns. Yeah. The other thing that we didn't mention is that Oh god. <laughs> I I love this moment because it just shows that he's a real person and it's when he's escaping from the police headquarters, he goes to the top of the building. Oh, right. And, and he, he looks hesitates. over. Yeah, he's like, oh, God, the heights. <laughs> yeah, the heights. He's like, oh, no. Like, but then, like, he has to quickly be like, well, he's like, I, oh, God, I, 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 yeah, I prepared for this. I have my little suit. So, yeah, and he, like, he, he it's like a off. wing glider type of mm-hmm. thing. But I really enjoy, like, that brief Then he, like, of, almost dies. Like, I think he should have died, actually, when he oh, yeah. impacted the, way, the yeah, overpass or whatever. He, Oof. The impact he took on that yeah. was insane. But, but then he kind of limps off and I'm like, I, like, all right. that's just. He, he did. Um, there's somebody that, uh, like, I know that the their biggest complaint was, like, this guy is just running against bullets and not getting, feeling a thing. I don't think that he's not feeling a thing because isn't even a Kevlar suit, like, is really painful to get shot by a gun. Yeah, he does. In the third act, when he gets shot by a shotgun. He gets a shotgun at close range, and that really kind of puts him out. Yeah, like he has to inject himself. What does he do, adrenaline? I think it's adrenaline. I think it's adrenaline, or it might be the same uh, substance that they used for Bane, not in the Dark Knight movies, but uh, in like... uh, like in the comics and in the terrible Batman and Robin movie, but like that same, because it was green. It was green. So that's why it made me believe that it was like that same toxin that like just shoots you up with adrenaline and all this, you know, just craziness. And that's why he was so aggressive and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. So little, there's little callbacks to, to a bunch of little things. If, if you're like a true Batman fan, like you'll catch little things like that. But um, I really like that scene, speaking of guns, where he's like in a hallway and all the lighting is coming from the guns going off. Yes. The yes. guns firing. That is such and a I'm cool like, scene. Oh my God. Give it in my vein. I in want it. Veins. So good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, this is a very good movie and I will watch it again. I don't know when because again, it's, it's three hours. It is a commitment to watch. But I I, didn't, I am interested in seeing it again just to capture even more because you always get more on that second viewing. You do. I, I think I would like to see it again, too. But again, I would have to, like, figure out what day. You got to <laughs> carve out some time. Right. Because when you go see it, like, even if you're like, oh, I'll go to an early showing, like, I'll go Saturday at 10 a.m. or whatever. Your day is shot. Like, that's it. That's what yeah, you did Yeah, you're that getting day. out, like, at one thirty because yeah. <laughs> trailers and then the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a, a commitment. Yeah, that's what you did on Saturday. Um, speaking of the movie and seeing it again and watching the whole thing, the ending had the Riddler with a cellmate who... Was Joker? I think it was Joker. Yeah, 
I think it was Joker too. And for those who don't know who it was, I know who it is. The actor. Like the actor itself. But they had him in the credits. They did. They did. Uh, but I, I don't know if he, like, he may not be a known star by name. But, like, if you, if I describe him, you'll be like, oh, him. And it's Barry Keoghan. And for those who saw The Eternals, uh, he was in The Eternals. He was, what was that character's name? Druick, who yeah. could c- control people. Control minds. Control minds. He was that character. And then he's been in, you know, a bunch of indie stuff for the most part. So, like, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. He was in The Green Knight. Um, although he did have something kind of big with... Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, is he the Joker? I think he is. They I think had. He is. I mean, they kind of show the face a bit, and it is a, like full of makeup, like a Joker. Yeah. And Initially, like what my he sister, says. What he said. He said one one minute you're something, and the next minute you're a clown. Yep. And I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's the Joker. <laughs> it's the Joker. And. Which, are you okay? Like, I don't think that I was prepared for them to introduce another Joker. No, neither was I. And I kind Does it have to do with the multiverse? Because they're... No. The Flash movie's coming out, right? Yeah. And they're introducing him going through all these different worlds and the multiverse and all that shit. Is this like, okay, because what's-his-name has Ben Affleck as his Batman? Jared Leto. Now we have... Like you're talking about? No, no, I'm talking about Flash. Like whatever, oh, whatever that character okay. is, gotcha, gotcha. Barry Allen. Um, that Flash has his own Batman. Yes. And now we have another Batman Correct. and another Joker yes. that are not from his universe. Correct. So, like, is that how we get all these people that no. may interact with each other? I don't think they're gonna interact with each other. Really? I think this is just going to be a You don't think Flash thing. is going to show up at some point in a Batman movie and just be like, Not in hey this guys. Batman. <laughs> Not in this Batman. But you don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. You're right. I don't. They're all DC movies. They're all DC movies as well. They're all DC characters. They want to make money. I don't think the Flash would show up in, in, this, in this Batman. Wouldn't well. show up and be like... Robert Pattinson, I need you. Come with me if you want to live. And like, he just assembles like different people. Oh for like, God. you get Wonder Woman, you get Rob Pattinson as Batman, you get Barry Ke- Keoghan as this Joker instead of Jared Leto and instead of uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't see it. You don't see I it. I don't happening. see it happening. No. Mark it, look it. I know okay. I'm thinking outside the box here, maybe because I don't give a shit about these characters and like what they're actually planning. But if it actually happens, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. You're right about that. Um, we'll see if it happens. You're I like honestly, they can't do that. They won't do that. And I'm like, bitch, we have seen so much in these superhero movies and all these different team ups and multiverse here, multiverse there. We have multiverse movies coming out that have nothing to do with superheroes. So like my my guess is that there'll be another Batman for that universe shut versus up. shut up taking this Batman. Another Batman? I mean, if if you guys know anything about the new Flash movie that's coming out this year, you'll know 
that Michael Keaton himself is reprising the Batman. So, but again, we're not. How do I put this? It's a Batman team up, right? Like there's multiple Batmans in the Flash movie. Him and Ben Affleck, I believe, are both going to be in. You're telling me they won't put Rob Pattinson in there for like a minute or even tease it like in the uh, movie. Like, haha, who are you? I don't don't know. Bye. (laughs) I don't think so. You don't I'm think they'll do a new camp. like Spider-Man meme with like three Batmans? I think I would be a little more surprised if this particular Batman was in, like involved with any of the rest of DC stuff. I would be surprised by that. Because it just feels, it feels so insular. But again, I could be now. wrong. You say that now. I made $258 million worldwide in a fr- one weekend. So... I'm know. like, why wouldn't they throw Rob Pattinson in a movie? No, I, you're right. You're right. They can. He's do got that. the clout. They can do that. I understand. They can bank on him. You're right. You're right. So well, I yeah, mean, now we'll I see. threw some like Excel spreadsheets at you, and you're like, oh yeah, well maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I still lean no, but you're we'll like see. stylistically they wouldn't, and I'm like, bitch, there is some money to be made here. If there's a possibility that Rob Pattinson is going to be in a movie, people will show up. I I understand. I understand. I'm passionate. What about I this. was gonna say, if though, you give me multiverse, give me the fucking multiverse. I want to see everybody. What I was gonna say, though, okay, is that I am not excited if that's the next villain we're gonna get. Joker. Yes, because we've gotten Joker like so many times. Yes, I want to see a different villain. There's one Wait, villain I, that I, thought- I would love to see. So my sister, instead of seeing the Joker in this sequence, mm-hmm. in this movie, she was like, oh, is that Two-Face? And I was like, I don't think that's Two-Face. No. I don't think it's Two-Face either. Mostly because when they showed his like face a little bit, it almost seemed like he had two faces, but no. No, I don't think that's Two-Face. Two-Face would be a good antagonist towards... Oswald, Cobblepot, Penguin, like the two uh-huh. of them uh-huh. running to see who mm-hmm. runs the city. The the you know the White Knight versus the you know the corrupt uh, criminal. What about Mister Freeze? That okay? <laughs> You're laughing. I know. I'm laughing because I always I hate the makeup they put on Schwarzenegger for that. Movie. So I think that. What they did with the whole Schwarzenegger thing was garbage. What I will say, though, is that one of the best Mr. Freeze stories is from the animated series, Heart of Glass. Or no, Heart of Ice. Heart of Ice. And it paints Mr. Freeze as a sympathetic villain because of how they told the story. And I would love to see that in movie form. I don't know how you go about trying to like freeze a city. Maybe they don't go that route. Maybe they go more like grounded. Like that's how he like tortures people. Or maybe that's how like he has like machines that, you know, that do like freezing type of stuff. I don't know how they go about it. It's kind of tough to put together. But I truly feel 
Like that would be a really cool character to to do stuff with. I really do. So yeah, those are my thoughts on what I think the next villain can be. But I think we've just about wrapped this up here uh, with the Batman. Any final thoughts, Jessica, on the Batman? No. It's... It's a good movie. Let's just. It's a good put it movie. It's great. Yeah. It is. So, if this is your first time listening to us, thank you for giving us a chance. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us on both of those. Uh, you can find us on social media to stay up to date with us and even tell us, hey, did you guys like the Batman? Did you hate it? You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And finally, if you have done all those things and are a fan of the show, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. So you can check us out on our page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. And that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast.